James, you saw, he died. <laughs> we came, you saw, he died. <laughs> Look, you saw, he died. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Us. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still here. What's going on? How's your weekend, Steve? Hey, Rob. The weekend was fantastic. How about yourself? It was just lovely. So much a lot fun. Of magical events happening in the world, isn't it? There is. There sure is. What do you want to? So there's a lot going on. I mean, we want to talk about the climate accord, right? I'm listening. I'm, I've been watching. Yeah, the climate accord. I've been watching a lot of stuff over in the UK, uh, videos and whatnot, probably for like the past six months. And I'm starting to become very fascinated with their, uh, with their phraseology, their language, their dialect. Right? Like yeah. they say, I I, 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 isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? It's pretty good, isn't it? I love it. I should be careful because my colleagues are probably listening from the UK. Oh, that's fantastic! And they know exactly what we're talking. About. They know exactly what we're talking about. So I, I brought the word "cuck" over there. I think I talked oh, about it in the last episode. Favorites. It's a great yeah. my my wife actually called me a cuck today. I was really pissed. I just called you a cuck about two seconds. You ago. did, you did. It's just a fun word. It's a word among white men. Just let us have it. Let us have that word. Right. Yeah, sure. It can well, apply to other other men than white men, but sure. Yeah, it can. It can. But let it, let us have that word. Um, so today, I guess on the docket, we'll talk about the Paris Climate Accord. Um, we'll talk about the latest Kathy Griffin stuff. Any credibility she tried to win back, she lost. Hey, oh, Kathy Griffin. Oh my god, I think I laid out in the last one my my thought on that, and it turned out I hoped to, I, I looked to be right. I think. Yeah, I I believe so. I believe so. And then oh, there was a line in the sand. Actually, you know, I was hoping that the lefties could actually see this, how crazy they've been, and I think that this might have been it. I think that a majority of them, that this was that line. No, well, <laughs> I have to disagree because they everyone plays the quote-unquote the what-about game. What about that time so-and-so did something else? And what about that time uh, Ted Nugent did XYZ? And at the I time... I've seen a lot of that. Uh, the, you have or have not? I have not. I have not seen a lot of that. I've seen some of it. And again, my idea is kind of like when you go into like hurting someone or cutting their head off or causing violence to someone, you draw the line. If it's verbal, if it's a mask of somebody, but they're just being silly, you let it slide. But I guess, I guess, you know, they, they are waking up a little bit. Um, what I noticed was that there was, that predictably, anytime the left gets caught out on something, You'll see a predictable HuffPost article, slightly condemning it, but then saying why it's okay in the end. They did this with Bill Clinton's sexual assault rape history, uh, how they forgive him because he's a feminist and he really means to do well. Um, so HuffPost writes an article about it, which validates it. Same thing I saw one about Kathy Griffin, why 
It's okay to not like what she said, but you must still defend her. Well, guess was what? It, wasn't it crazy? Did you, did you, well, I watched the entire interview. I had somebody send me the interview with just a couple question marks like, is this serious? And I watched the entire thing. And I couldn't believe that what I was watching that I she just completely doubled and tripled down on the craziness. Right, she sure did. She sure did. And it, the second she got that slimy lawyer with her, Lisa Booth. Oh, the slimy lawyer. The slimy lawyer, which in some circles is a redundant statement. Yes, yes. It was just like her. She looked exactly like a young Gloria. She's like a young Gloria Allred. She is the future of. Uh, people who lack accountability. Um, the, future, the future of trashy lawsuits. The, sure. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so speaking of another mess up, uh, your boy, your former boy, Bill Maher, said a naughty word the other day. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think we've chatted about this a little bit. I think this is, it's obviously a different thing than uh, than the Kathy Griffin thing. But I, yeah, he's he's a former boy of mine. I I've been a big fan of Bill Maher going back a decade, going back to Politically Incorrect, um, and have listened to uh, and watched um, his HBO show for years. Yep. And it's, you know, in, in, if, if, if anybody's familiar with it, he's, he's had a personal vendetta with Trump way before, uh, way before Trump was even candidate Trump. And so that carried into the candidacy and the personal kind of bias. And it was kind of cute through the show. But then as soon as Trump actually won and, you know, one of the big things from, from Mar, uh, you know, throughout a show through the campaign was he would call Trump a whiny little bitch. And it was a, a segment that he did, and he actually ingrained into his show. And I'll tell you, you know, talk about the hypocrisy. As soon as Trump actually won, and it was kind of time to put it to bed, right, uh, and just move along. Bill Maher has just, he's been one of the most rabid supporters of the Russian thing. And, you know, he's just kind of, I think, taken his personal vendetta and allow it, let him get too far. But with all that even being said, and I haven't been able to watch him since then, it's just been too unbearable. I really, uh, I, I'm not upset with what, with what, with what happened. I even see that he's come out and apologized and I think it's kind of ridiculous. Well, yeah. So with him, I think it's more legitimate. Kathy Griffin. I mean, so Kathy Griffin, to go back to that, back in December, she was talking about how she goes to go after Trump and Bar go after Trump all you want on politics, this person, like whatever. Um, she said she'd go after Barron. Uh, and now she admitted it. She had no problem with it. She's just complete trash. And then you know what she said? There's someone dug up a tweet from 2009 where she said something about going after quote unquote Sarah Palin and her retarded baby. So this oh. is this is Kathy Griffin for you. This so is Kathy Griffin. So so you now have Kathy Griffin. Whatever the hell she's doing. Bill Maher, who dropped the N-word the other day. It's okay when he does it, because he's on the left. He's a, he's on the ticklish left. What's uh, the N-word, Ross? What's that? What's the N-word? The, the one that I can't say. Which one? The one that I can't say. <laughs> such a blessing. Um, but so, so he was on... Not now, this is actually funny. He was on an episode with Ben Sass, the Republican rhino cuck. Um, who was very never Trump, and he's still to this day, okay, whatever. But at now, he's getting the treatment where the left is actually like, they're, they're mad at Marr, but then by association, they're mad at Sass because he didn't condemn and disavow. 
his face was kind of just like he was stunned, but it was a slight stunned. It wasn't the proper level of stunned for like the Duray McKesson Black Lives Matter losers of the world. So he actually now Ben Sass is getting quote unquote sass back uh, because he he yeah he didn't he didn't disavow it good enough. So now it's not enough that some person says a bad racial slur. Anyone in the orbit or within 10 feet of them has to equally condemn it. And if they don't do it powerfully, they're a racist by association, even though they're on different ends of the spectrum. You can't make this stuff up. It's very, very comical. And I love who it's happening to. Yeah, well, you know, I love who it's happening to, but at the same time, like, I hate the actual thing. I'm not going to, at least I don't think, well, not right now, I'm not going to use the word. I, I reserve the right to use it later, but I think the whole thing's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and, but I just, it's one of those, go on. For me, for me, right, it just comes down to always, if there's a double standard that's involved, it, the whole thing is nonsense if you throw it away. Yep. So if I'm going to go turn on my local radio station and I get to hear uh, all of these pop songs where that I'm listening to the clean version, but if I want to go and, you know, go find and dig up anywhere which I can, the quote-unquote original or dirty version, and that word is thrown left and right, in and out, like, come on, man. Yep. Come on, man. Come on, come man. On. No, come I on. hear you. There, there can't be a double standard. It can't be... And like that's something that's gone. I mean, this is since we were little kids, right? Like, it's and I've always thought it was kind of ridiculous. It's like, wait a minute, you get this whole subsect and group of people that are allowed, quote unquote, allowed to use it, but we can't use it as white people. Like, that's fucking foolish. Come on, man. <laughs> I get it. Like, I get we quote quote unquote can't use it, and the reasons why is because people will look at you and call you a racist, and if you're in the midst of of some brothers or sisters, you might get slapped or punched, and I get that, right? There's repercussions for it, but it doesn't make that there the double standard doesn't make it right. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Ross, your your take, just agree or disagree on that one. You see what I? You're actually good at reading me. That's kind of like I'm just gonna step out of this yeah, one. You, you stiffed arm that. Like no. So so my deal is this: tell a rapper to not use the n word in a musical video or whatnot. They're gonna tell you to go F yourself. It's a losing battle. I just love when people get... Ross, right or wrong, the double standards. Oh, yeah, I hate, I hate double standards. Yeah. Either, so there is a double standard. Either just get, get the word out of the vernacular altogether. I don't care what color, size, shape you come in. Um, and if you're going to let it linger and you're going to... What's that? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you're going to let it linger in conversation and you're in line... Like, the first time my son ever heard that word we were in line for a haunted house and some kids were just casually chatting behind us and they kept dropping that word. And I'm like, you know, he was like nine, 10 years old at the time. He'd never hear the word because we don't say it in our house. And now I have to explain it to him why that word's bad because the black guy behind him was throwing it around casualty, casually to his friend. And if I looked at them and said, guys, can you not do that? We have a kid here. They would have... They would have slit my throat. No, that's ISIS. They would have beat the shit out of me. They would have beat the shit out of me. You know, well, maybe not. Maybe they would have respected the. Uh, maybe they would have respected your wishes. Doubt it. Doubt it. Some nebbishy white guy tells you to knock it off, which I have that's trouble a telling. Interesting conversation, nonetheless. Yeah. So, anywho, um, so that's that. So the Bill Maher thing, you know, trade places. If a conservative were to say any of things or do a beheading thing. 
they'd be on the unemployment line for life. When you're on the left, you always, always, always get a lighter punishment. Uh, so let that be known. Just let that be known. So uh, you're on the record of condemning, and I just want to see, see the scoreboard here. You're on the record condemning her and what she did, Kathy Griffin, but you're, and you're condemning Bill Maher for what he did, or are you, I think like, both, like me, condemning Kathy Griffin and supporting Bill Maher in, his, in saying that? So scoreboard-wise, it's a joint, it's a joint condemnation. And you're one and one, right? I'm I'm on the record of, of uh, I do not support Kathy Griffin in her bullshit antics, and I do support uh, Bill Maher and his right to say that. And I'm actually kind of uh, sorry that he had to come out and apologize. For okay, it. so because here, remember a couple years ago when Kramer at like a com- at a at a comedy show yeah, went off and 100%. just said it and started going off on the N words. We haven't seen him since. Um, not that he, except I don't think, re, except for in hilarious reruns of Seinfeld. Oh, of course, of course, but he's not dropping the end bomb. Um, so well, what do you think will happen to Mar? Do you think it's just a slap in the wrist and everyone's going to be like, yeah, you know what? He, he didn't really mean it. Well, here, the other, the other problem that I have with the Mar thing is that he's, he's on HBO. All right. It's not like his show is on, you know, uh, ABC or NBC. It's not like his show is on one of those networks and it was on seven o'clock where your kids could be up. Right. Yeah. It's like, this is on fucking HBO where we're all a bunch of goddamn adults, or at least I feel like some of us are. And I guess yeah. most of us aren't. I guess so apparently. he can't. Yeah, it would be fucking man. If you can't use any language there, I mean, there should be no words or anything that was that that you can't be able to say. I mean, that's what HBO's for. So now what we're doing is, and that's my other kind of point. Besides what what the word is, fill the word in with anything. It doesn't matter. You should be able to say anything. And now we're we're policing that as a society. So I'm I'm fucking standing up for him in that. All right, fair enough. For anyone, I would stand up for anybody in that. Remember when Zach? Remember when Zach Galifianakis in one of his comedy shows said he goes to the South and he starts talking like them and says "y'all" and then just blatantly drops the N word and people walk out of his show. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis, that that liberal is doing really well for himself. Uh, I don't know that. That's not I'm not with that. Okay. Anyway, uh, but that was that was way back when. It was like probably eight years ago. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, there is a free pass usually for the left. Um, so the Kathy Griffin thing, so going back, I think this is where we started, I, I, I'm actually happy enough that I think that Kathy Griffin has done a great job in uniting where we haven't seen this yet. She's been the one unifier between Trump supporters like us and the far lefty cucks that have not been able to accept that their candidate lost and that they are now in a Trump land with a yeah. Trump presidency, Yeah. right? And and they've just been bitching about every single thing since, about 727 excuses why it's it, it can't be that that happened. And as you know, it's been one of the more frustrating things that we've talked about. And, and she's been the first, hopefully now of a string of many, to bring us back together. And that's what I've been, uh, I was hoping for, and, and I've seen it. Yep. No, that's that's true. That's true. Uh, but I just, when I, I get, pa- I, I have pause when I see, the stupid Huff Post articles; those really piss me off. It's almost predictable. Well, of course, you're going to see him from there, Ross. Right? You're going to you're going to get the. I mean, do you see the, the newest thing on the, uh, the the London bombing or not the London bombing, which was last week. This was what last night. Last uh, night, that there was a, a a car that drove over a bus on London Bridge and ran over a bunch of people. Yeah. So, do we want to segue into that? 
You know, segue right in. So last night, as you, you probably know, there was Borrow Market, which I, it's not about me, but I was standing right there two weeks ago, so. Oh, that must have been trippy. A little, little trippy. Um, London Bridge, and then I think there was a third one, I don't know, there was a third something or other. And this is, you know, on the tail end of a report that says there are at least 3,000 uh, terror cell, you know, jihadis on the streets of London. Um in London alone, I think 20,000 throughout the UK, 3,000 in London alone. Um, but they're not going to do anything about it. They're going to do a hashtag campaign. They're going to hold hands, sing Imagine by John Lennon like they always do. Ariana Grande is pulling the I'm going to help, watch me help game two by doing a concert, which again, if, if proceeds go to it, fine. That's the value. Um, but nothing's really going to change. You're going to have a lot of people saying things like, my heart goes out. Thoughts and prayers. Why can't we all just hug each other, touch each other, hug each other? What is what's the phrase? Hug their neck, hug up on someone's neck. Um, like it's just platitudes, stupid platitudes. That's that's the fun word we need to use here. Platitudes, empty, vacuous statements that you don't really mean. You just want to sound like you're compassionate and that you have empathy. My heart goes out. Uh, I have, I, you know, I will say a prayer for you before I go to bed. Why don't you change the fucking policy? How's that sound? How's that sound? Get at it, man. Now, so, so today, Theresa May finally, finally said something. She's like, enough is enough. Now, what, whatever the hell that means in England, I don't know. Because enough is enough over here means Trump will lay down the hammer with like a travel ban or something, for better or worse. Theresa May's version of enough is enough might be a little slappier on the wrist. Like I don't think it's going to be as impactful or draconian. What your what's your hot take? Well, it's it's it, like it's going to be really interesting, right? Because now we've had back to back almost you know within two weeks of each other uh, these terrorist attacks. One was a you know a guy blowing himself up, right? horrible outside of a con- concert the other one is what we've seen before now is somebody getting into a bus because obviously those cucks over in england don't have any guns so what they do is they use you know vans buses to run people over which is just horrible right i mean you think of somebody getting shot which is horrible in itself but imagine you know just a mass pile of bodies crumpled up and Oh, I mean, I just can't even imagine, you know, and or the next worst thing to me, because it's so personal, right, which is a knife attack, uh, which is what the second part of this one was. So, I mean, the it's it's full force terror, right? If yeah. we're talking about the definition of terror that we've been used to or we've been, you know, uh, led to understand when it comes to this context over the last, you know, let's say decade plus since 9-11. I mean, this is it on full-fledged display, right? That yeah. These people are enduring and i'm saying the word enduring because it's their mayor right that comes out and says hey this is what it's gonna be like everybody it's, get used to it it's, right? I mean, it's part and parcel of living in a big city you're gonna deal with yeah, this kind of stuff these are these politicians these are the politicians that these people have elected i it, it just drives me nuts it, it totally lends you know <laughs> full credibility to why my ancestors came over here to escape a religious persecution, number one, and then the second part was to go, you guys are fucking nuts, and we're out of here, and we're done, we're starting our own thing, Yep. right? Yep, yep. It, it totally validates to 
me like why a lot of this stuff and why this happens. Yep. Um, so you know that uh, us kind of being laid out. Uh, you know, my personal thought to that is there's a fellow. I, th- I don't know if we brought him up before, but I, I found him. Uh, I'd probably say a little over. I want to say six months ago, his name's Tommy Robinson. Yes. And he was the former leader of the EDL movement there uh, and has since uh, started something called the Rebel Media. And people should go check that out, the Rebel Media. And, you know, all what he's doing is he's just being an alternative media journalist, kind of like Cernovich and some of these other folks that we're watching. And he's just he's he's giving a narrative to what the what the mainstream media over in the UK, and I think that this is much more of a problem over in, in, in all of Europe than it is just in the UK. Much like here in our mainstream media, where they just don't cover this stuff, right? right. There's all kinds of you know migrants flooding in these uh, you know we'll call them military age males, which you and I have talked about. Uh, you know, this isn't a this isn't a migration. Uh, uh, you know, for you know, for these people escaping war torn parts of their country, this is a straight up economic migration, right? Yep. This is the the leaders of the the EU knowing that moving these people into their country where they already can't afford it is going to completely bankrupt the country and give them all of the powers that they need to do to be able to do what they're doing, right? We've seen this play out over time. So these migrants are coming in. They're not getting, you know, acclimated into society. They're not looking to, and they're not being asked to. And they're essentially bringing over their customs, their beliefs. They're setting them up. And a lot of them, it just happens to be from that religion, is that they don't treat women that well. No, they don't. There's a lot of rapes. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, a, a girls, of women, and they're just not reported. So Tommy Robinson has taken it uh, as kind of, you know, his duty as, you know, and he's calling on other, other English people to rise up and just talk about these things, right, what the media and the politicians won't do. Because all of a sudden they're going to wake up and their country is going to be gone. Exactly. I actually heard, uh, I'm going to have to look this up, uh, before I even butcher it, I'm going to look up, there's a new name for London. So. London Stan. London Stan, that's it. That's so scary. And you were just scary. there, so I mean, you can, you can probably give a little more color to that. Yeah, you? and like, I, I didn't feel like I was unsafe, because, oh yeah, diversity, blah, 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 and that didn't bother me, but I will say, like, I could see, you know, with multiple, I guess, uh, the word, the phrase is uh, cultural enrichment, when you... When you truck migrants up to European nations from completely different backgrounds, and instead of assimilating, um, they just keep their own ways. Um, you know, we saw this. I, I saw this in Quincy, Massachusetts, when I lived up there. Again, I don't have anything against any other, other culture as long as they assimilate. Um, we would see you this. You have one hundred percent responsibility to assimilate, and I'm not going to even speak for any other country except for this one, right? The one that we're in, that we're citizens. You come to this country, you better assimilate. You better learn this language. You better learn the culture. It doesn't mean that you have to get rid of your culture, but it's the responsibility for you to learn this one, right? Because this is the one that you are coming to. Correct. Hands down. No, I, I will not capitulate on that at all. Correct. So when you see that, you know, I would see some behaviors in Quincy, Massachusetts, um, you know, some pushing and shoving that shouldn't necessarily have happened in the commute, um, some, uh, you know, general obliviousness 
um, of certain cultures. I, we can read between the lines here what I'm referring to. Uh, but much the same over there, if you have multiple you know, cultures coming together, the common thread should have been the um, traditional you know, London demographic over time. Not that one's better than the other. But damn it, I don't want to see that there's no go zones. I don't want to see that there's uh, sh zones that, uh, you know, neighborhoods that practice Sharia law or areas of the, the country that practice Sharia law. That is for the Middle East. That stays in the Middle East. You can bring your religion with you to any country you want. And I wouldn't expect you to, you know, tamp it down to, to nothingness and dilute it. However, the most extreme parts of it, you can't bring that shit to other countries uh, that don't practice it. You can't practice Sharia law. Um, you can't practice genital mutilation and stoning uh, outside of areas where you're comfortable. That that shit doesn't happen in the West, and it stays that way. So that's right. I agree. You know, it's one of the more troubling things. Is going back to this, made me think of as I'm watching these. Uh, you know, the the video come in uh, of the attack most recently in London, and one of the scariest things I'm watching, and it gives me much more appreciation for the police force, which I already have a lot of it here in the U.S. Is the you know a whole battalion of officers running the other way from yes. where the shooting was coming from because they're not allowed to have guns themselves. The community police had to run away, and what was left was people, you know, patrons, diners throwing chairs at who they think the perpetrator was. Like wow. Wow, think of that concept. Think of that concept, you yourself, right? You yourself, the listener, think of that. You're out at the next restaurant, you're out You're out at the next shopping and some experience, and God forbid something crazy happens. And you, you know, as, as you're wondering and you're panicking or you're, you're, you're keeping a cool head and going, what am I going to do in these split seconds? And as you're, as you're, you know, bringing all this stuff and, and deciding what to do, and you see the police officers running towards you away from the danger. What does that do to your mentality? Oh, it, your psyche? It, it is a mind fuck, and it Think screws that. you That's up. Crazy. Imagine seeing that in this country. You know, it's like again, it, it gives you a lot more, at least me, a lot more appreciation for the men and women that absolutely, at least you know, in every experience I've seen and had in this country, they run towards that stuff. Yes. And that's that's unbelievable. Right? And speaking that's, of uh, speaking of running, what are the three words what was what did the Metro police say out there? Run, hide, tell. That's the big three you want to do over there. Oh my God. You know, it reminds me of the Boston bombing and remember that whole incident and I still believe that is like what a bunch of cuck society we were and especially as Sean's like, God how far we've fallen from the Sons of Liberty in Boston to the freaking cucks that we got surrounding in in and out of Boston that you have these two asshole fucking kids that, you know, go to the anarchist cookbook and they build some shitty homemade bomb and yeah. They light it off, and you know it's horrible. It's it is. It's it's no doubt horrible. But what we did as a society, you know, and to let the you know tanks come into Watertown and bringing people out at gunpoint and us cheering as they left. I mean, what a fucking joke. Yep, it exactly. Reminds me of, it reminded it reminded me of what we're watching over here, and it's like that's not America. That's not America at all. That's not what we were founded on, and that's not what it is. And actually, how did we find the boss of Bomber Ross? Who, who ended up finding the, the, the Sarnasov kit? Friggin' Sully with a hoodieless sweatshirt and tapered acid-washed jeans. That's who found it. Some guy that looked like 
like a Red Sox second base from the, from the late 80s. That's the kind of guy yeah, that the, found it. The, the, yeah, the guy that after he was told to get into his house, right, which we had been told all day here, the guy goes, oh, I need to get out of the house. I've been here for hours, as the police have told me, walks outside his house and sees that someone's been fucking with his boat. So what does he do? He calls the police. It's called community policing. It's yeah, what we should be doing. Exactly, exactly. It's much more effective. Exactly. What's the famous quote, Ross? Uh, Benjamin Franklin. You know where I'm going? Um, join the Hellfire Club and have sex with lots of women. <laughs> and burn their bodies and bury them underneath my house. Oh, to wait. To the chagrin of, uh, of uh, Adams. <laughs> to the chagrin. Adams probably hated him. Franklin hated was a slimer. Oh, uh, he hated him. He hated him. But, no, um, no, it's it's. I think we've actually used it uh, actually on one of our podcasts. Is it's you? You either give me uh, safety or you give me. You know, Six, if you sacrifice liberty for security, you'll get neither and deserve neither. Something like that. <laughs> I <laughs> fucked that up. Yeah, you, you did a much better job than me, but I think we get the point though. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. It, it's true, right? And so. Uh, yeah, that's what I think about that. So, so, so that's you know, London. Stay tuned. There's going to be more. I hope there's not more, but you know, there's going to be more. Um, and and hashtag campaigns and saying your heart goes out or thoughts and prayers. It's not going to work. You need a policy change. And I think Theresa May gets it, but she's got a big election coming up. She might lose. Yeah, well, yeah there's an election coming up, which is interesting. But, you know, I think going back to like people like Tommy Robinson, I think you've got people over there who are mobilizing, you know, and they have been. So I think that every single time one of these things happens, uh, you know, people like him, he looks a lot more correct, right, in what he's saying. And I think he's, yeah, he's garnering a lot more attention. Right. Um, because, you know, people over there, and it's what we're seeing over here, I think that they're just a couple years ahead. And it's mortifying to me, you know, and it's another reason why I stand up for people like Bill Maher, is that these people are letting this happen. When I say these people, uh, people, English, English men and women are letting this happen because they're so afraid of being called a racist. They're so afraid to call out for the problem for what it is because they don't want to be labeled or called a racist. And that is so scary. You know, that's scary. It is. It is. And and we'll just, it's going to play out in Europe before it plays out over here. That's the thing. I mean, you, you hear the stories well, it of, does. You, know, and that's, you know, and that's why I, I feel like, in, you know, we're doing this, we're doing this podcast. Uh, you know, I have no problem going to getting into a people, public forums like Facebook, because I, I see that happening here. Right. You don't agree with my position. Well, I'm going to label you a, a fascist or a racist or a homophobe or a xenophobe or, you know, any one of these things. You know, what I say to that, go fuck yourself. You don't do that shit in America. Yep. That's not America. No, you know I hear America you. is America is, you know, the Jew and the Nazi and the fucking, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, the black pasture get to go and all sit at a bar together and respectfully, but they all get to have their own beliefs here and do their own thing. Whether you like it or not, whether it's called the free market of ideas, Ross, that's, that's one of the beautiful things of America is that we're the free market of ideas and the free market always wins. You got a bad idea, the free market will find it out. It'll, and snuff it out too. They'll snuff it out. Well, yeah, or it's, you know, it, it's public, it's open, it's healthy that it's out there, that people know that it's there, and it has its place. And, and ironically, ironically, what is against snuffing out bad ideas? Government, big government. Yeah, exactly. I don't want government 
tell me what's a good or a bad idea, and I don't need I don't need a whole group of people telling me what's a good or bad idea. I can figure that out on my own. Right. So to finish off on the uh, the victimhood thing, the, there are women. You've heard the stories all across Europe. Uh, less so London, less so England, more so I think Sweden, the Nordic areas, where uh, Germany, France, there are women that are getting raped and sexually assaulted, and instead of reporting it, they'll stay quiet, and if they do report it, they'll kind of back off their claim because they feel bad for the migrant trying to get a better life, uh, and that's that's a very scary thing. Wow, that is so crazy. And it's ironically, it's in Stockholm, Sweden. So Stockholm syndrome is actually happening. Where you love your captor, you love the person victimizing you. The irony is is it's dripping off of that one, Ross. It is. It is. So let that just be a let that be a tip off of where we're headed, and it's only yeah, going to well, get you know, worse. Listen, let's 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 really close the loop on this, right, and bring it back to you know to Kathy Griffin, right, because this is exactly what she was trying to do. Is she? You know, I saw this. I saw this wonderful meme that totally encompassed it. Is you know, she was the one that walked up to somebody and punched him in the face for no reason, and then when that person beat the shit out of them for an instigating a fight, she's now claiming the victim. Right. And it's like you know, for the people watching the entire thing, you went and started it. So guess what? We don't feel so bad that you got the shit kicked out of you. Right. Right. They don't understand right, that part. That's kind of that part of that victimhood that you're talking about is that, you know, and, you know, the, the other part of the victimhood is that this is what, you know, the, the left has been doing for far too long, which is identity politics and labeling everything, right? You're black. Oh, it's a black person versus a white person, or it's a Muslim thing versus a white thing or Christian thing, right? This is the left doing that. They do that. They do it to a T. They divide, identity they divide well. They divide people along social identity lines. They do this very well. Credit where credit's due. You know what that is, Ross? That is what, to me, this is my definition, that is true racism, right? The ones that are doing it too, that you want to talk about what what, uh, white, what's the the, the word that we hate, right? That phrase that we hate. Um, White privilege? White privilege. Yeah. That is the, the people who are coming up with this, these far left cucks, it, this is what the definition of white privilege is, and it's a form of racism. It actually, it's, it's a way of saying we in our heads and our subconscious think of other groups as being inferior to defend themselves. So we will step in. We will throw out a phrase called white privilege. If you're sitting the wrong way, it's uh, manspreading. Um, if, you, if a male talks to a woman a certain way, they're mansplaining. Um, when a mother corrects uh, the father, you know, there's not a phrase for that. That's just you know, that's just day to day life. But when a man says something to a woman, um, that's mansplaining. You can't mansplain, and it's cultural appropriation. All this basic shit, where people get scared to talk and interact, that's a leftist thing. That's and a leftist have, thing. Yeah, and think of like the psychological kind of like how fucked up it is. It's almost some kind of weird Jesus complex, right? Where these people have it where, you know, this is, they look at, they're the ones that look at, you know, uh, black people, uh, you know, poor people from inner cities, you know, no matter what kind of de- denomination, and they're going to save you. Yep. It's not religious, right? It's weird. It's not religious. It is kind of religious. It's kind of cult-like. But it's not religious in the form of like, oh, it's a Christian or a Catholic or some kind of church that does these services. No, no, no. This is 
private and now through government, like donations and handouts, but it's not bringing you up to a level that's on the same level as theirs. Oh, no, 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 right? And this is kind of why, and I appreciate Bill Maher's humor, because that's a kind of joke, the kind of deeper joke that he was trying to tell, right? Except for it's, it, what he didn't understand is, it's, he, yeah, you're making the joke about yourself, right? It's yep. like in the left-hand side, this is what you guys are doing, you're perpetuating. Yep, yep. No, I agree. I agree. But like if this And I hate it. I recognize it, Ross. We really, really dealt with this a lot in Duxbury, right? We really did. And I you know, I and I, and I don't it's not that I don't feel bad for those people because I don't want to feel like I'm on my high horse looking down on them feeling bad for them. I think I just identify it and I don't think that they recognize what they're doing. I don't I th- think that they know what they're doing is that stuff. Well, that's the key. That's why I've the older I get, the more I assume positive intent. That's why I don't jump down people's throats as much as I, I used to. Because if everyone wants the same thing, we're going to talk about it in a bit, about what we want for the, earl, the world, the planet, all that stuff. You assume positive intent, positive intent, you back it up with facts and data. If it's just you emoting, um, you're still a good person, but you're just emoting. It's fluff. It's a platitude. You're just trying to make yourself feel better. Kind of, kind of crazy shit, right? Again, now, I'm sorry we're using the Duxbury folks, but kind of use that as as a as an analogy, right? Of those those representative people, right? How many of them we've talked? Well, you and I have talked about this. How many of them that are so they're so sure about open borders and bringing over migrants, and how dare we like not let those people have a voice and a you know a, a chance to succeed? How many of those people have brought one of those people into their homes? How many personal instances? Because that's a big thing. So if somebody did do that from our hometown, we would hear about that, right? Yes. So when I know that we have people because we see it on our feeds that are feverishly. Putting that out there. How many of those people have you heard personally that have brought them into their house? Zero. 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 None. 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 Not one. Not two. Zero. Right. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. Right. How many of those people, right, that are so sure that if we don't, and we're going to get into this, sign the Paris Climate Agreement, that if we, the fact that we didn't sign it, the world's over and, and, and the species are going to die and our grandchildren are going to burn in hell. Right. How many of them are so sure, Ross? Have you seen a lot of them, right? No, I've seen a ton. Okay, how many of them and their parents do you think live in an oversized house, quote-unquote? I would say 75%. That's a high number. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. Think about that. Okay, so you're so sure that all of these things are going to happen. You want all these people to pay for all of this stuff, but it's not you that's going to do something. Right. Right? Right. It's not you that's going to do something. You want other people to do something. That's correct. And that's going to serve your morals. How many of those same people do you think drive some sort of SUV vehicle? I would say 25 to 45%. Interesting. I would say even higher. I'd say it's closer to the seventy-five percent. Especially in Duxbury, because you have to get on the beach somehow in the summertime. Think, oh, now add all these things together, right? And it's like the where does all this come from? You know, and, 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 and again, I don't think they really they don't really think of this stuff. No. But I think it is. This is what the white privilege 
this. What we're just, this is white privilege. The fact that you can be so upset and naive to all of these things and that you're, you can put yourself out there, yet you've done nothing on your own, personally. That is actually a good segue. Do you want to make that our segue? Segue up. All right. So that – and that's going to be something that we kind of uncovered yesterday in an exchange where, okay, you talk about how you don't like the Paris Climate Accord. We'll talk about the specifics in a second. Um, but you talk about you don't like it, you don't like what Trump did, fine, I get it. But if everything starts locally – and this is a global treaty, accord, what have you, why are people mad if they have the ability to change it at the personal level? And that's what we're going to go into in a second. That's more of a libertarian ideology. So people actually may be... a libertarian ideology, that's right. So people are actually in more agreement than they know they, than they think they are with the people on the other side of the spectrum. And we're going to break that down in a second. So, I mean, I guess... Well, we can talk about – so there's two more things we want to talk about. Um, we're going to do a one-hour show. We have exactly 20 minutes left. I'd like to do 15 on this and then five minutes on what Debbie Wasserman Schultz was caught doing. It's very funny. You've got to stick around oh, for this. Ross, did she get caught with her hand in the cookie jar? She got caught with her hand in the Kylo Ren jar. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But it was the, the things get more bizarre with that woman by the second. Um, so let, I mean, let's, let's, while the, the going is hot, let's talk about the, the Paris climate accord. So as you may or may not know, if you're not a low information voter, um, Trump pulled out, he did the pullout method, uh, and he shot his load all over France's face and, and, you know, the EU's face. Um, what we're basically doing is we're pulling out of an accord that we weren't really legally bound to anyway. Uh, something that was unenforceable and, and toothless, um, what we've I've done. Wow, what's, you know, one of, you have to point out why was it, it was one of the things that was very slimy the way it was introduced, right? Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to lay this out and how Obama being the legal eagle. Huh, that was pretty good. That was the good. Legal eagle that he is and his team, they purposefully looked at this and called this an agreement. Okay, they had to use the word agreement because by using the word agreement. It enabled him and his people to use a presidential executive order to bind us in our country without going to Congress, right? And that is very, very important because that without having to go to Congress to debate the merits and the details, which you're going to get into about what this signs us up for. I mean, this. Think of how ridiculous that is. It is. So what he did, he did the end around again. He's a, he's a slimer. Um, and he did it on purpose. He right? did it on he purpose. Did he didn't have. So here's the thing. Uh, in 2009, when the first round of this came about, Congress shot it down. He had control of everything. His hail mary was to get the health care thing done, and that was an abortion. He missed out. Now, there was no appetite in Congress for this particular accord. So he called it just that, an accord. If it's a treaty the way every other previous international treaty was negotiated, it went through Congress. This time, he went around it, joined up with the other globalists, and now he's made an energy and climate policy that is unaccountable to Congress and the American people. Congress has to approve what we spend on it. 
but now we're beholden to the demands of foreign leaders, multilateral bureaucrats, international pressure groups, and all of their media allies. And it's disgusting, and, and that's the part that you and I don't like, among other things, but let's not emote about you know what we think should have worked and what didn't work. Let's, at a ground level, at a baseline level, this is something that Congress should have signed off on. Look, look, this is this is the reason this is one of the this is, if not the the sole reason why the citizens of the UK, those cucks, right, that we've yep. been going over, actually, which even surprises me more, uh, voted for Brexit. Yep. Right? Is that they couldn't understand and they couldn't swallow the fact that they didn't have their sovereignty anymore, yep. that they couldn't defend their borders, that they didn't have a say on this, right? So what you're laying out and what we're laying about about what President Obama did on purpose about this, which is probably the number one reason which gets me right the, the alarm bells going, is that it, it, he, he, he made this an agreement with an executive order and signed this up in order specifically to not get the, the, the merits of it debated in Congress, which meant that the UN would be the ones that ran the show here, right? Correct. It's just chipping away at our sovereignty. Correct. So we're going to go into the numbers in a second, but, you know, in general, at a high level, Yes, this should have gone through con Congress, but really, with this, I, and, and so I, I, Steve and I read the document. Uh, I'm, we're not legal people. That stuff makes us gloss over, much like financial numbers probably make other people's eyes gloss over. I'm, I, a I'm, I'm actually a junior legal eagle, but go ahead. Okay, fair enough. So that you're you're better than I am because my eyes seriously they gloss over. But the thing is, what what the United what we've done, the administration actually admitted parts of the agreement are indeed binding. The procedural part. The reporting and monitoring. It's a 32-page document. I went into it, and I, it, nothing good starts till page 22, i.e., where you find out what they're accountable for and what the game plan is, what's the mission, the tactics, and the strategic, strategic objectives. So up until page 22... Daddy thank you. I stink, says my youngest. Thank you. Um, Matthew, I was on a roll, and you just came in and just told me I stink. Okay? So I'm going to go to another room. I'm serious. I'm recording right now, Matthew. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but the administration readily admits that parts of the agreement are indeed binding, but the procedural monitoring and reporting commitments are the only thing that's binding. The substantive, the substantive part, i.e. the emission reduction and climate finance commitments, that part is not binding. That part is subjective. It's at the discretion of each and every country who has its own set of rules that they think they need to follow. No one's bound by the same... Uh, agreement. So if the United States has to cut by X percent, that doesn't mean China has to cut by X percent. Uh, China can cut by half that. They can cut by, you know... So Ross, lay a note for me. What were some of the higher level bullet points that we got ourselves into, let's say, so to speak? So so from a, from a high level, which I think you and I might be on board with, is, you know, let's try... To, so the big, the big sticking point, Hold the increase in the global average temperature to well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and pursue efforts to limit the temperature increase to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That's a goal. That's right? the that's goal. A, that's that's the stated goal. Assuming, right, that's, their, that's what they're assuming and saying. If we do this cumulatively, that we're going to try to hit this goal. Correct. correct? And it would significantly okay. reduce the risks and impacts of climate change. I get it. It's an awesome thing to aspire to. I, I have no problem with that. Libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, we all live on the frigging planet. That's When I hear people holding up that stupid picture of Trump with a bloody earth, the way Kathy Griffin held up his bloody head, 
I'm like, guys, can you just fucking settle down? Trump's here for at most eight years, at little four, maybe even less if they try to kick him out, okay? But at the end of the day, it's my planet just as much as it's yours, Steve, just as much as it's Kathy Griffin's planet. We all want to be alive to live on it. We just have different ways of helping to encourage the behavior that makes it sustainable. Okay, so I don't want to hear that Trump is killing the planet. Calm your fucking tits. Seriously. It's really a little bit theatrical and ridiculous. One more thing for the left to huff and puff over. Um, so, so here's the deal. There's the 2%, you know, keep it above the whatever level. Increase the ability to adapt the adverse impacts of climate change. Again, you're going to notice a lot of just like fluffy words and language. Uh, it talks about, so for the first 22 pages of a 32-page document, so about 70% of the document is spent talking about, you know, what are the, what's the framework, what's the mechanism to track, how do we report, what's our compliance objective, what countries can do things to help out others. It's fluff. You don't see a number until page 23. Uh, and when you do get on page 23, you start to see some of the implications. It, first off, the document itself, it's wide open. There's 195 countries in it with 195 different game plans. Um, so what you can see is that, you know, the United States, we are, I think, the second biggest polluter in aggregate. But we we have a pro rata share of about 13% of all of the pollution. So from my end of it, libertarian end of it says, the America, America has an X percent pro rata. Let's do everything in our own immediate power at the local, personal, state level to achieve that. Okay? But, it be, but being a part of this accord, not treaty because Obama's a slimer, uh, he calls it something else. So the United States... Has to, they have to put in $3 billion of the initial $11 billion contribution, which is 30% of the world's initial contribution. I just told you 13% of the, of the pro rata of the pollution on Earth is done by the United States. Shame on us. Shame on the military, who isn't even part of that number. We're one of the biggest polluters out there, too, the, the U.S. military. But 30... That's a good reason. I think somebody, I, I saw somebody bring that up. It's a great point about leaving out the military. Yep. Uh, and, you know, listen, I, as, as libertarians, and I think, you know, more of the cut out of the Ron Paul mode, uh, or cloth is yeah. I want to see all of those. You know the bases that we still have open for World War Two in Japan and Germany. Bring those people back, right? right. Fuck those bases. Right. Close them down. Right. And I think, but I think the reason why and they justify not having that there is kind of like what Trump was saying at the UN when he was on his first overseas uh, overseas trip when he was looking at all those leaders in the EU and going, hey, uh, the UN going, hey, uh, countries, European countries. We're paying for this. We're paying for your security. Our military is paying for our people are paying for your security. Correct. Right? It's time for you to put the bill. So exactly. I think that that's probably what they were arguing in this thing, saying exactly that. Well, hey, we're going to exclude our military because we're essentially at this point the world's police. Right. 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 And that's what we get for exchange for that. Right. That's kind of my thinking. I don't know if that's no. That's was, that's but. a fair. That's a fair assessment. No, that's fair. That's fair. But you see how muddy the waters are here. But, 
there as a quote unquote like justifiable business thing that you and I and people at the table could understand. But if your goal is to reduce emissions, and it's not really fair, right? That doesn't really make sense. It just like, and then it gets into the other non fair things like we brought up China and India, who are the two worst polluters on the planet. They're not even required to do anything in the immediate future. Right. Nothing. So they're still. So what the what the document actually says is that China and India are still arcing upwards. They're at, they're at they haven't even reached peak pollution yet. They're still correct. trending upwards. So they're and not it's five years, I think, with China. Correct. They yeah. Have to they have to do anything. Right. So it's basically they're five year intervals. I get again in principle they they want to do well. I get that part, but don't give me raw emotion and return. Because I don't think it's a good return on our investment. The United States... And I, and I think that that's one of just the basic questions that's right on the surface, right? Is that how can you logically get an ask for the United States? If Remember, again, you always have to remember what the end goal is in the context, right? Context is so important. So context, hey, our kids are going to die. This is happening immediately. We got to do something right now about this, right? That's why everybody's all upset. We have to remember that, right? Right, right. Okay. So why would we logically, as people in the United States, sign any kind of agreement, even no matter the fiscal things that you and I just pointed out that we're tied into? Yeah, that's bad. But if you're signing into something that doesn't even require the two most polluting countries on the planet, as we just pointed out, to curb their emissions, what the fuck? Right, right. They're just going to say, well, <laughs> let Americans shoulder the load. Um, and there's, there's no accountability. And so, so yes, so those other two countries are arcing upwards. They're the ones with all the smog and the people can't breathe and the quality of life sucks, but they're not held to a similar standard. They're, they're going to, and, and everything, if you read the document, everything is very touchy feely. Seriously. It's like, oh, they're going to make a best efforts basis or we'll see what we can do. We're going to do our best. But, you know, in so doing, again, as I said earlier, 11 billion of the, of the initial contribution, 11 billion, 3 billion of it came from the United States. We've paid 1 billion into it so far. So there's already skin in the game. That's 30% of the initial contribution for a country that has half the pro rata of pollution. There's a further 100 billion of payout for adaptation and implementation shouldered by the most developed nations. Not just the United States. That doesn't mean the United States is spending 100 billion on this. But we have a pro rata portion of that 100 billion, which I believe is... Rich countries, right? We, we fall in, which, by the way, I think I think I was pointing that out to you is so hilarious to me that we're considered quote unquote a rich country when we're twenty count it twenty trillion dollars in debt. Right. We have a credit card with twenty trillion on it. How are we rich? We're not rich. We have central banks that will press Control P and print whenever they want. So this is it's almost like the worlds are colliding here from a climate standpoint, from a government standpoint, from a finance standpoint. We're printing money with our central banks that goes to fund these initiatives that there's no real accountability for. The taxpayer keeps getting sodomized. And we're finally calling timeout Roberto, Roberto Duran no mas. We're calling back the neocon wars. We're calling back the stupid trade deals. We're calling back the climate deals where we have to foot the bill or foot a large portion of the bill. And we're sick of it. And everyone's like, Donald Trump, stop trying to kill the world. It's all covered in blood. Like, get, get the fuck over yourselves. Knock it off. Seriously, Congress wouldn't go on board when Obama asked them to. It was voted down by a significant margin. Okay? Um, so, so here we are. 
What are the next steps? Well, what is this? Well, you know what, Ross? Listen, what is this? Tell people what this is, because I, I I've broken it down. Like, let's. I think we peel back the onion. Uh, it's a shitty deal. It's it's. We pointed this out. Donald Trump knew this. All this stuff. He was willing to renegotiate. No one's saying this stuff's not happening. No one's saying we're. I obviously am against pollution. Obviously, I want good air. I want clean water for myself and my my grandkids and kids. Right? I don't think anybody's debating that. I think what we're saying is that this was a really shitty deal. It was kind of put together in a fly-by, your pants, seat of the night type thing. Uh, that when you actually look at the details and ask people to explain it, they can't really answer any really uh, honest questions. Because like the ones it, that we're laying out, and they kind of just gloss it over and say, "Well, you've got to just sign it." it becomes very religious. Well, what you don't believe in climate change? Right. They'll they'll do a straw man because obviously. If I don't agree with elements of a deal that I think is shitty, I'm a flat earther, right? Yeah, as soon as you go there with me too, it's over, right? As yep. you go there with me and you can't explain yourself or the idea that you're trying to propose and in and out or even just answer basic questions, it's game over it's, for me. Right, right. Then might as well just call me like an anti-Semite, right? Because I don't like a, a policy, right? Just call me I names so. to make it look like I'm discredited. Use the Alinsky tactics, right? I think it's really important to point out what is this, right? So at the end of the day, what did Obama sign us up for, right? Like this, this was on purpose. They went out of their way. He he made sure it was an agreement and not an accord that would have to be looked at by Congress. So why is that? What's the what's the end game? Um, I honestly I don't know what his end game was. I'm happy to say I don't know because again, he knew he couldn't get the carbon tax thing through. That didn't go. What's go you? Go out with it. Out with it. Well, it's not really a theory. It's, it is what it is. What, so if this goes through, what is it? It is one of the largest redistributions of wealth the world has ever th- seen. Think of a Ponzi scheme like the one that they're going to set up with a carbon tax. Yep. Right? Think of it's on the scale. And I was talking to another friend of this who really was, you know, who really understood it, was chatting with me about it. It's really on the scale of, of terrorism, right? Because when you create a problem, terrorism is a global problem. It's not a local problem. It's not a it's a global problem that everybody has, right? So when you lock everybody into the same problem and you're the solution provider, you're Al Gore and you're those guys who have been setting up that tax credit exchange, right, for the carbon taxes. Right. There are people who have been working on this stuff for a decade plus, Ross, getting ready to institute this carbon tax system because that's a global-based system. Again, it's a redistribution of wealth from wealthy nations to poorer nations. And so this is a way to do it on a global scale. So think that's actually a really good insight, and that's not. I'm not trying to kiss your ass, but think of it from a one-two punch. The middle class felt like they got chumped under Obama, where there was wealth redistribution. And then it's the double whammy, right? If you have any money left in your pocket and you're not working a part-time job or uh, you're underemployed, anything else gets passed through in taxes and that goes out the door to other countries. So it's a double whammy if you're a middle class, which is the most important class we have to take care of here. That money then goes to redistribute it in country and then it goes outside of country. That is actually a, that is a really good insight. It's a double Ross, fucking whammy. Is, let's call it what it is. It is the biggest Ponzi scheme to ever exist on the face of human earth. 
that's what it is. Yeah. There, there isn't a bigger Ponzi scheme to exist because, again, think of it. The, it it's pseudoscience. You're building this exchange in this this carbon tax credit exchange off of something that you don't even know is really happening. Correct. Correct. What now? Now again, I'm not to say that I don't. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a denier of global warming, climate change, disruption, whatever the hell it's called this week. It's not that at all. The question then becomes, what happens if 15 years from now we start to get data that contradicts the data we're working with now when these deals are set up? What do we do? We, you know, we see things that are settled science that then become up for grabs down the line. What happens? Much like with Russia collusion, when that when that trail goes cold and it, we find out it's all for nothing, what do you do? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what once you, it's like tolls, right? Once they're set up, you think those fuckers are coming down even though they're supposed to and they sell you, hey, the toll is only supposed to exist until the road is built and then we take the toll down right? and then the politicians get fucking too fat and happy off of that revenue. So that doesn't happen. Well, right. we still, we, exactly uh, like you're saying. Pennsylvania, That's why this thing was so dangerous. That's why this thing was so fucking dangerous that, and, and again, it made you step back and go, wow. So not only was this a really bad deal, but the way of, that you brought it about, very similar to how they brought about the Fed in 1913, Ross, right? When they did that vote at, on Christmas Day, yep. Christmas night, when yep. no one was in town. Yep. The, cr- the creature very from Jekyll Island. Similar. Yep. Exactly. And, and it's, it's much like in Pennsylvania, we have, it's, I think it's the Johnstown flood tax from either 1913 or 1933, where there was a flood and they put in a tax in Pennsylvania at the state level to recoup and help build up the, the, the bridge again. Well, well, guess what? It's now 70, 80, 90, 100 years later, we're still paying that tax. Once yeah, it's yeah, once it's embedded, tax, you're paying, yeah, yeah, you're, that that money's going into all kinds of other things. It's, right. it's crazy, man. It's right. crazy. Right. So, so that's that's kind of where we're headed with this. I, you know, I'd ra- I hope. Here's my thinking, and it's very simplified. And who's to say we haven't tried it already? Where I want Democrats crafting the touchy feely stuff, and I want the Republicans going in and saying, "Here's the financial costs of it. Here's the uh, I want the compliance to be this. I want it to be. I want it to have teeth." I, I want countries punished if they don't do it right, uh, and I want us held to a common standard. And it starts now. It doesn't start five years from now. It starts now. Then you can start to get the libertarians on board, and I want Congress to vote on it. Until that happens, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this happened because the earth's going to keep turning. Okay, Whether Clinton won or, or Trump won, the world will still continue to exist in 2024, and the United States is doing everything in their power to fix their pro rata portion of pollution. That's the part that I care about. Making China do something that they don't really think they're going to do because it's all voluntary and there's no teeth in the agreement. Uh, I'm not going to go to bed guilty at night, nor should Donald Trump. Like each hey, country. Okay, me, can, hold on. And we, I got to answer this question for people because it's so funny and I don't even think that like we've chatted about it. So. You know, the, one of the big things that people that maybe we they even hear what we're saying, right? The people on the other side and they go, oh, OK, I hear what you're saying. So then why is Trump out there talking about coal? Right. Even the coal miners in Kentucky, in the state of Kentucky, is moving over to alternative energy and other stuff. Right. You've heard this argument. Yep. Yep. I have. Okay. There's, a, there's a very simple answer to that, and I just hope that everybody just remembers this 
and it's usually right. You always think of keep it simple, stupid kiss. Yep. Or usually, what's what's is it? Uh, what's the the um the the usually the answer is usually the always the simplest. Oh, answer. Occam's razor. Always? Occam's razor. Occam's razor, right? Okay, so this is usually why Donald Trump does things, right? When you're always wondering when Donald Trump does something and you can't fucking figure it out, think of the easiest excuse. Are you ready what the easiest thing is? And it's exactly why he brings up coal and he puts it out there. It's because Donald Trump, if nothing else, is one of the greatest trolls to ever exist on the internet. Ever. He understands the power of the media. He understands the power of the internet. He understands the power of talking about building a big fucking wall and what that does to the other side's head and how it explodes. And they get so emotional that they miss a hundred things and make 10,000 mistakes. Right? Yeah. So when he's out there and he's talking about coal and everybody's face is getting so bright red because it's so painfully obvious that coal was so freaking last century that even the Kentucky coal miners are going, hey, dude, that was so like last century. He's sitting there with the biggest smile on his face going, gotcha, bitches. I hadn't thought of that. I I, I thought that was a play towards... Uh, it's a checkmate for Putin. All the all the Putin collusion people. If if coal, I, I don't know what his game with coal is. It's not like he's going to reinvigorate the economy with coal. No, it's, he's the Ross. Let me say it again. He is one of the greatest trolls to ever exist on planet Earth. That guy understands, and he's proven how to manipulate the media, how the media works, and therefore he knows how to manipulate it. And also, you know, nowadays, which includes the internet, and social media, which is the great amplifier that no one still understands. Right, and this yep. guy is just genius at it yeah and so i'm telling you half the stuff this guy says and i did this on the campaign i started dying laughing and when i finally got it and i'm going when he's saying i'm building that wall and he keeps saying it pounding his fist and everybody's going oh my god it reminds him of hitler and all that and i'm going oh he's got you guys it's over yeah totally got you guys because the people like me who are supporting him are going yeah he really doesn't really mean building the wall he's just really i'm talking like trump speak right he's talking about he's just going to really support the people and he's going to be harder on crime and what that means is a fictitious you know metaphorical physical wall that he's going to put up but he also knows more than anything that the people on the left are going to have their heads explode yep that's i hadn't thought of that i had not thought of that well, now with that context and that lens, every time he tweets, every time you see this stuff, just put that one simple lens to it. You're going to get a nice kind of wry smile on your face. And you're going to go, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. That, that, see, that is, that is the value you're adding here. You are connecting big ticket items that go right over my dopey brain. I, I, that is, it's, it's, again, it's one of the reasons why I started – you know, I started really supporting them is I started, you know, a big thing was recognizing that again, why we call this sports ball politics is this is every, this is what we're in, right? We're in the, since we're in new England, it's a constant new England Patriots, Indian old school, Indianapolis Colts matchup, right? It's every day. It's week in and week out. It's Brady versus Manning every single week. And people get fucking, they paint their faces and they, they put their shirts on and they put their families together and they light their grills. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, the thing. 
and, and that's what and they and they got us right. They that's what they got us. It's, yeah. it's it's total sports ball politics. So being able to take yourself out of that and go whoa, like whoa, yeah. Let's take let's take ourselves out of that right and like look at that. Now you're watching it like like that's its own TV show, like the Truman Show, and you're watching that. Now you're watching these people and how they're interacting, and it's a little ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it the is. The way that these people are out. Wait, you guys don't own any. You don't have any financial reward from that team, do you? Oh no, no, we don't own any part of that. Oh well, it will cost you actually a lot of money to do that stuff too. Actually, on the other end, doesn't it? Oh yeah, and you're investing a lot of time where you could be doing other things. And this very precious time is the most precious thing we have here, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I get that. Oh, okay, okay. Right. So you watch that; it's very interesting, and then you take yourself out of it. And you're looking at it that way, right? And you're going, and that's when I saw Donald Trump on that stage, and I'm going, wow, you know, the people on the left, they're making fun of him, and they're actually, you know, signing off on this guy, Donald Trump, and it's it's interesting. And then the people on the right that he's running on the Republican side, they're condemning him, right? Remember those 13 people up on that stage? Every single one of them was making fun of him too, Yep. right? And I'm going, wait a minute. Think of that dynamic as we're, as what I just laid out for you. What happens when there's a third team? Yeah, like a third legitimate team. That's interesting, right? I don't yep. know those the sports ball people. They don't know what to do. The oh, sports ball scary. types have no clue. Right? They have their own. They have their own playbook. Their own talking points. They can tell you the rotation of a baseball team and the implications of what's going to happen. None of it ends up happening. And they see things from a National League, American League perspective. They don't see things uh, through the lens that you and I are seeing it. Uh, there, there's more than just the two-party system. There's more than just your t- your home team and then your opponent. And I think- you know what Donald Trump is, Ross? Do you remember when – it was move over to basketball for a minute. Do you remember when basketball – and I don't think we were alive, actually. This is in the 70s. But do you remember – and they actually glorified it in a Will Ferrell movie. Do you remember when basketball introduced the slam dunk? Yes. Well, I think 60s. Was it the 60s or 70s? It was either the, yeah, I think it was the 70s. And that's why I was saying – remember Will Ferrell's movie that he made and he owned that basketball team? It's like a really funny movie. Yep. I do remember that. Right. Well, in 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 the in the end of the movie, there the uh, the rapper guy there that's the star of the movie from uh, that Atlanta rap duo there. He uh, starts dunking the ball with the alley oop, and everybody's just like, they remember the ref? You didn't even know what to do. Everybody right. Just stopped the game, and the fans right. and they saw it for the first time, and they were shocked. They what the hell was this? And, and the one guy goes, I don't know what that was, but God, did that make me feel good? Right. Yep. Yep. And it was like that's Donald Trump, dude. He's the alley oop. Yep. He's the alley-oop of politics. He's the alley-oop. This is also much like with the with, with the punk rock taking over in the late 70s. And the people didn't totally. know what to do with it. Or the they rap music coming in. Super powerful, right? Much like rap music and, and hip-hop. Another, another great cultural example. Yeah. It's, it's very, very powerful and... It's a set of plays that people don't know what to do with because right. That's why, man. That's I. I just wish that people would kind of. If you just looked at it this way, I wish lefties would look at it this way. And God, you know, a couple things. If you look at it that way, and what your point, you recognize that it's only for four or eight years at the worst, right? Get on board. 
get on board and try it. It's like you know, it's like an ice cream flavor. Just try it. You're yeah. not going to die from tasting it. And if you don't, and if you don't like it, recharge your batteries for the next battle. Four years out, eight years out. You know, it's like yeah, we see for people that think of the world in long term, generation to generation with this climate change stuff. The people are being it's fours for the tree stuff. You're going to get a new president in either 2020, 2024, God forbid, sooner. But these are four-year cycles. You think it's the end of the world. It's not. It's four years on a planet that's billions of years old. Get some billions perspective. Of years old. That's why when, you know, I think somebody used some stat, right, Ross, when we were talking about this, I forget where I saw it, but they were, you know, you can't use climate data that we have on record and say, well... It has been 14 of the last 15 hottest years on record. And I'm like, okay, motherfucker, because what you just did is you just used stats. So now I know a little something about stats. Let's get into that, right? It's yep. going, all right, so you're using your stats to make your analogy. Let me ask you a few questions about those stats. How long have you been keeping those stats? Oh, well, we've only been keeping weather stats like that since back in the 1800s. Yep. Oh, so you have, right? For, we'll get into it two ways we'll look at it. If you're a really crazy religious person, you believe that, what, the earth has been here for a couple thousand years? There are, ele- yes, Christ- some of the crazier Christians will say 6,000. There you go. So the crazy Christians say 6,000 years, and even a couple hundred years out of 6,000, what is that in from a data standpoint, Ross? It's less than 1%. That's a bad data set. That's a bad now, data set. For, for, the, for the normal people that believe that the Earth has been here for how many years, Ross? Billions? Did we learn in Earth science? I'm just going to say... About six and a half billion, something yes, like that. Correct. Four and a half billion, six and a half billion. Okay, Give or but take. it's in the billions. Give or so take. how is a couple hundred years of that climate data compared to uh, uh, billions of years? Billions of cyclical cycles, you know, cyclical right. patterns. Right, oh, right, and the Earth has been going through cycles called climate change when humans weren't here for those billions of years, right, Ross? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, so your stat that you threw out about it's 14 out of the 15 hottest years on record. Well, now when you put that in perspective that we just laid out, what the fuck does that really mean? <laughs> means you want my money, bitch. You know, it means you want my money. It means you're trying to put some carbon goddamn exchange in because you're trying to redistribute some wealth. <laughs> Cut it out, you retards. Right? Oh, like, dear. Oh, dear. Oh dear, come on. Oh man. Come on. So that was you know, that. A, you know what's another explanation of those 14 out of the last 15 years, the hottest on record? It's, you ready for this? It's called the sun. Ta-da! What is the sun you speak of? I want to know more about it. What's the sun and what does that do for our planet? Hmm. Sun. Stupid sun. So, anyways, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, um, so that that was a that was a that was a hot finish. That was a hot finish. I like that. Um, no that was good. Yeah. No pun intended. So we're at the one hour thirteen minute mark. Can I just? I want to walk through that Debbie Wasserman Shell's thing for five minutes because I want to get this out tonight, Steve. It's nine o'clock now. If we get this done in five minutes, I can get it out the door by like nine fifteen, nine twenty. Oh yeah, and this is actually part of the lighter side of everything. Yeah. Because I mean it's serious, right? And you'll and I want you to tie in why it's serious, but I mean it's actually one of the more comedic things and it, you know, makes the story even better. Correct. So 
the other day, and, and let me pull this up, um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's currently being investigated by, um, I think, a, 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 what is it, a, a lawsuit was filed against uh, the DNC. Hey, hold on, hold on. You, you look this up and let me kind of set the phrase and tell the story a yep. little bit. So, so what mainstream media, another big knock, I think that you would agree with me, Ross, on mainstream media right now, is that their rabid determination of finding something that's not there and going against every American principle that is innocent till proven guilty in the leftist world of America that they're trying to introduce. It's, oh, I know that there's a Russian connection. We know it's there. We don't know how or why or anything like that, but we just know it's there and we're going to assume that it is until we find it. Right. Holy shit, what a dangerous world that is, right? Very much so. So, so, you know, very much in that ilk, uh, what the mainstream media is not telling you, which is a very real news story and something that I'm sure people are familiar with, is that during the primaries, the Democratic primaries, the DNC... The private corporation known as the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation and their whole camp, they colluded together with other institutions like CNN, mainstream media, to essentially crush Bernie and his camp and prop Hillary up without, you know, much interference to be the Democratic nominee. Right. 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 So think of what that means, right? What that means is that if you're a Bernie supporter, you're taking that precious time out of your day. More importantly, you're working. You're you're taking your hard-earned money uh, that you believe uh, what Bernie's saying and doing, and you actually send it to Bernie's campaign. And now they actually find out hard evidence that the person that you back, that you put your money into – was cheated in the process, like legitimately cheated, and there's hard evidence of that. So what has happened since that primary, and obviously we've elected and had a president now, is that those people have banded together and actually sued the DNC. And that's been going on, but you wouldn't hear about that in mainstream media. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was the chair of the DNC, right? Yep. So there you go. There so, you go. No, thank you for that backdrop. So now there's a case against the DNC about, you know, why were they subject to being, you know, having leaks and whatnot? Like, who, wh- how are you guys controlling your data and storing all your emails? Um, and there were three Pakistanis. I think one in particular, they employed three from a family. Uh, well-paid Pakistani IT guys. The average staffer was paid 40000 50000 for IT work. These particular Pakistanis took in about 150, 160,000 each. And uh, the, the, the investigation went on so long, one of them's already flown the coop. He's back in Pakistan. I think we talked about this last episode. However, in so doing, there's a couple things going on with the DNC. They're being investigated. The trial lawyers who are uh, you know, you know, presenting, prosecuting against the DNC received a very strange phone call the other day. Uh, this was, I think, Thursday evening. Before 5 o'clock, a caller called their office, refusing to identify themselves. They asked about the Wilding versus DNC lawsuit. The secretary stated that it sounded like the caller was using a voice changer because the voice sounded robotic and genderless, along the lines of the voice changers used when television show interviews are kept anonymous. Or as you guys would know, Home Alone 2 when Kevin McAllister used a talk boy to scare the shit out of people. 
The caller concluded with... <laughs> the, ca the caller refused to identify themselves and concluded the call with Okie dokie, which is something my aunt would have said in the 1990s. Um, at that point, the secretary gave the caller... Uh, I'm sorry, let me start that sentence over again. The secretary looked to see uh, where that phone number was coming from. And then they looked at caller ID. Well, guess where it traces back to? Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a Ventura, Ave Aventura office in Florida. So it appears... Wow. It appears, and this is, and so this is, this has been labeled. This is Elizabeth Lee Beck Esquire of the Beck and Lee Trial Lawyers, Corporate Park at Kendall, in Miami, Florida. So this is not fake news. This is not a fake location. Actual email. I've read it verbatim. Um, this has been filed as an instant email with the court. <laughs> this is going. The court now has this in their possession. So what hey, you I gotta give it to old Debbie. At least she gets her, you know, she rolls her sleeves up and gets right into it herself. You know, she I does, I, but but it's like that. it's like it's like kids' table stuff. This is stuff like first graders do wrong. Um, and the problem is, I don't. So people say, oh, it's probably one of her staffers. Don't say it's her. Well, at this level, these so just as we've talked about in prior episodes, Wasserman Schultz, Hillary, John Molesta. Uh, his brother with all the naked children artwork on the walls of his house because he's a sicko. Um, the, the whole Huma Abedin, Anthony Weiner, if he doesn't hang himself in, in, in jail, um, Donna Brazil, they're all freaking out because of what they did and what the crimes will eventually be uh, brought, brought to light uh, for what they did. They're scared. So what's happening is they're taking matters into their own hands. They're not roping in their secretaries to make these calls. They're not having some flunky staffer do it for them they're they don't want more people knowing about their the how scared they are so like the likelihood of debbie doing this herself is pretty high because she doesn't want this getting out but she used a stupid uh prank to to do this and people saw through it and they used the caller id and now it's it's all over your it's all over alternative media you're not going to see this on cnn which oh by the way last piece cnn before we went to tape this steve Mike Cernovich uh, was able to record. CNN was staging um, a a fake protest against um, the the attack last night. They they lined up about like ten Muslim people in full garb, um, holding up signs and whatnot. CNN was taped staging it with them, so they made it look like it's an impromptu protest, uh, and it, they were actually staging the whole thing. I've seen that. They've, I mean, they, they've been busted doing that numerous times in yeah. numerous locations. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. I mean, just guys, what we're basically getting at is don't go to Fox News, MSNBC, CNN to get your day-to-day -day news. Don't go to the morning programs either. Dig around. Like you, we read... Infowars.com. Info. I that I was going to go a whole episode without talking yeah, about it. Yeah, but like, but, <laughs> that's fine. But that you know where, where it's at is Jack Prasobiak, Mike Cernovich. Uh, Rebel Media, Tommy Robinson, uh, Roger, Paul, Stone. Roger Stone, Paul Paul Joseph Watson, uh, a lot of people. You got to dig into the news. Go to Zero Hedge. It's a libertarian site. They hate both parties. Um, this is how you educate yourself. Um, so I mean, that's that's all I had. I'd like to get this out tonight. So are we are we cool to stop for tonight, and then we can meet up midweek. As long as you throw on my my at the beginning, you throw on the perfect or my favorite Hillary Clinton. Uh, uh, that's song. our new so that's our new theme song. It is the Sports Ball Politics Podcast. It's not the Ross and Steve Show. 
that's like that's like a that's like a Boston sports radio tandem. Like th- that sounds like stupid knuckle. Hi, welcome to the Ross and Steve show. We're different than everyone else. We have two names in the title of our show. It's two people. Like those dopes on W E E I. Like we're no better than them if we call ourselves that. But oh, the Ross and Steve show. That, or is it the Steve and Ross show? Stay tuned. Um, so that's that's another good podcast in the books. We're getting excellent feedback from all different types of uh, political spectrum people. Yeah, so. we appreciate it, everybody. Keep downloading. Uh, hopefully at some point, Ross, we're going to get it up on iTunes. Yeah, we d- um, we've gotten feedback on the shitty quality. It sounds like I one friend used the analogy talking uh, through a coffee can attached to a string is how you sound. <laughs> that's, how that's how we're doing it. That's how we're doing it. But, but I will say one suggestion we got from um, one of my colleagues and friends, it was a devil's – my friend, uh, my former roommate used to call – had a very successful podcast called Devil's Advocates. But we're going to take a devil advocate approach where we ask the questions that the liberals are asking that keeps their – theories alive keeps the russian collusion alive it's questions liberals have for us that we can answer so we sound less crazy i guess uh so there will be a topic a podcast episode where we attack the questions that the liberals have right now about trump and this is our way of explaining that because you're not going to get a fair shake on on national media so that'll be a future podcast episode likely in the next week or so but that'll be an exciting thing and steve i'll send you those questions after this is over but it should be that should actually be a pretty exciting episode. Fantastic. Until then, this is Sports Ball Politics signing off for the night. Have a good See week. Bye bye. <laughs>